Miracy. I think people people are inspired, people are interested when you've overcome something incredible in your life and you've overcome something huge or you've done something incredible. So for me, realizing that all those challenges were actually like an asset. They were a positive thing that I could use and bring forth in my business. Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I'm a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, Christian minister, and New Testament scholar, but don't let that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools like chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This series aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with the soul-minded photographer, marketer, author, and entrepreneur who has quite a story to tell. But first... In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. This tip is on a topic near and dear to my heart, procrastination. Am I the only entrepreneur who procrastinates? I feel that I just cannot be. It's a bit of a staple just of being human, and especially for entrepreneurs who find it hard to get everything done. There's always a task or two that remains under the pile of papers, but close to the top of our brains. Believe it or not, this is related to abundance. When we procrastinate, we let unnecessary anxiety and low-grade worry build up in our bodies, brains, and spirit. And it takes energy away from all of the other creative and soul-filled things we could be doing, including our free time. When we procrastinate, we're not usually avoiding a task. We're actually avoiding a feeling. When we can face the feeling and name it, the task usually becomes easier, and it usually takes half or even less the amount of time that we think it will. We're able to do the task, but more importantly, shift the energy that we were spending on not doing the task and create more room for abundance. Does abundance want to hang out with unfinished stuff, lingering, and feelings that are just hanging out and crowding up our internal room? Probably not but it's a simple practice that we can adopt to make little shifts for abundance. My guest today is Kyle Spirides. Kyle is the founder of Soul Gazing Photography and the author of a new book, Decide Your Destiny. Kyle is on a mission to extract the heart and soul essence locked in every spiritual being so that they can bring more humanity into their lives and into the lives of others. When meeting Kyle online, I immediately felt how he infuses his work with soul meaning, and I can't wait to find out about his journey. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm curious, Kyle, did anything resonate with you on today's tip about the topic of procrastination? Are you a procrastinator or do you finish your list every day? Nah, nah, not at all. Of course, of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel it. feel it in my bones. When you spoke about procrastination, oh, it's uh, something that I think, you know, 
when you're prioritizing and you've got that priority and you're trying to work out, well, everything seems like a priority right now. And then you get into this little bit of an overhaul of what to do. And you've got to get really focused on, okay, if I'm going to eat the elephant, I need to take one bite. If I'm going to, I just need to do one thing. What's the next one thing? But it can be hard. Like I think I'm definitely someone who has multiple tabs open in my window. Are you one of those people that has multiple tabs open in their window? Oh, yes, always. I, you know, I have to decide before we click record which ones get shut just to increase my cash in my computer. Yep, yep, me too. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and the tip on procrastination honestly came from, it was inspired by a long procrastinating task that my tax preparer needed me to get to. And finally, they sent me this email to nudge me. And I thought, this has been eating up a lot of abundant space in my life. And this is a little ridiculous. So real life example. Yep. Well, it becomes a, you know, so we're talking about spiritual beings being unbound. Um, Something like not getting the corner of the room clean. You're binding yourself then to a material obligation that you know you need to get done. And so then it's sucking energy out of your day. So then you might go, I'm just going to put that to one side, but you're not able to do the thing on the other side with as much efficiency because as much as you're trying to ignore it, you're like, I still need to sort that out. So I'm a big fan of quick decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we don't procrastinate, it helps us with decision fatigue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I love the way you said that, kind of be unbound in that way on an energy level. Well, Kyle, tell us a little bit about your religious or your spiritual upbringing. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, a lot of that really came through a kind of, I was raised by my grandparents. My grandparents became my parents. So, They had a strong faith, you know, they would go to church, but they never pressured anything. You know, they, they were always real believers of their kids are going to choose their own path. You know, each soul has to choose their own path and find what works for them. But they always held the door open and I was able to go into their room every morning. I was dealing with a lot of mental, physical and spiritual abuse from my early years. And I would go into their room and just have conversations with them and they would just listen. And I think that was the big difference is that listening is incredibly important. You know, whether you're talking about a business, a relationship, anything, that listening skill, and you can't know what to say if you don't listen. And so many people in today's day, you'll talk to them. And as soon as you start, like you're competing with what's going on in their mind. So they're not really listening to you. They're listening to the voice in their head that interprets what you are saying. And so for me, I was able to just communicate to my grandparents and they were, they were open and receiving and inviting me in. So I had those beautiful angels and they really were angels. My, my grandmother, I mean, if I go way back, when I first came to Australia from South Africa, I had my whole family in South Africa and my mum was an international model and she met someone in Australia and he brought me over. And so I met his Australian family and I was walking up the stairs and his mother, you know, my grandmother, Dinah, she said she looked at me and she could see this lost look in my face, like this, you know, who are these Australians? Who's this unusual family that's not my South African family? And she said that she had this overwhelming feeling shoot through her body and this message from God that she was going to be important in my life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it was crazy because 14 years later, I was on the street. I had nowhere to go. Didn't know where to go. So I knocked on their door in the middle of the night and they both came down and opened their door, opened up their hearts and welcomed me into their home. So that's probably the first, I guess, real spiritual connection was this bond with, with my grandmother that feels like it's extended beyond this lifetime. Oh, yeah, I can definitely feel that. And 
I mean, it sounds like your spiritual experience was really their example and their warmth and their welcome more than anything that they said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's just beautiful. I mean, that's like bringing tears to my eyes. And I, I love it when we find soul connections that are beyond biology. Yes, yeah. As well, that, yeah, over many lifetimes. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your, your spiritual or your religious practices now? Well, I do a gratitude prayer every night before I go to sleep. And quick tip for anyone, if you're just trying to fall asleep, if you start saying, you know, like what you're grateful for, and you can start speaking to the future and drawing in things and saying you're grateful for things in the future, which is great. And then if you want to fall asleep, you start naming names of people in your life that you're grateful for. And I don't know why, but I'll name six or seven people that I'm grateful for in my life. And then I'm out like a light. So quick sleep tip. I've got a strong faith you know, in God, in Jesus, you know, people want to call it ether and energy source and, uh, you know, that's okay by me. But I do spend a lot of time consciously getting my mind around the fact that I'm a soul, that I'm a spiritual being. And whether that's um, reading philosophy, whether that's some of my own exercises, just really getting my head wrapped around that and then going and, and, and becoming unbound from the physical, you know, unbound from the latest news headlines, unbound from chaos and the fear and the emotional turmoil or confrontations. I think what happens when you do have a lot of trauma and challenges in your life, you are more connected to those sorts of moments, you know, to, to, to the humanity in people. I've had a lot of like, you know, near-death experiences and that's really made me become aware. But I tell you, you need so many reminders to think like, oh, you know, I had this life-changing moment and it was just a moment and then everything was la-di-da. All the-. It's like, no, like you need reminders and i've been frustrated myself i'm like god i thought i would have learned this lesson by now but oh you know yeah i hear you yeah (laughs) that's part of the task of being human right yep to keep learning at deeper levels the lessons that we thought we already knew yep a question that i like to ask every guest is what word or words do you use right now when you're referring to whatever you consider the divine yeah so like when i'm doing prayer i call it god and Jesus, and Jesus, you know, I think there's, I look at them as two separate entities. You know, you could look at them as archangels, you could look at them as ascended masters. Well, it sounds like you've maybe retained some of the vocabulary from your grandparents and their kind of church-going ways now, even though you may have a different idea about who those beings are. Exactly. Some of my family are very absolutists around religion or faith, and I think it's such a diminishing factor because you cut yourself off at the ability for your own spiritual growth. I love this quote. What can you learn from the person you dislike most or hate most? And it's such an ego tester, but what can you learn from them? And there's always something you can learn. So for instance, my stepfather actually said this. He said, we're all experiencing the same thing, but each of us are experiencing it in our own way. So we're experiencing life, but we're all seeing it through our own perspective lens with our own indoctrinations and our own kind of set in stone beliefs and things like that. So for me, what I love is when you get moments that challenge you and kind of just spark and they're the kind of highlight reel in your life, really. Those moments that shifted, what was that shift? And so, you know, for me, one of those moments was seeing my grandfather, you know, when he was unwell, he was 92. He never spent a day in hospital, never had any pharmaceuticals, never had any surgeries, never had any anything. He just, he was a healthy man. So he was getting sick in 2019 and he was struggling to breathe. His lungs were struggling. 
And so he got sick and the family took him to hospital because he'd never been before. He was like, get me the hell out of here. And so the family got him a hospital bed, put him in his home. He was able to, um, I guess, stay in his home. And, you know, so we were there by his bed every day. Anyway, we're sitting there during the day and he was coming in out of consciousness in the last few days. And my stepfather ran over to Clivey and was going, well, like, what are you seeing, Clivey? What are you seeing? And Clivey said, Jesus. And he had this big grin on his face. And then Ward, like, what does he look like? And Clivey just kept smiling. He said, he's standing there. He's got a boat and he's standing by the river for me. And, you know, he's waiting for me. And Ward asked, you know, well, Clivey, like, what does he look like? And then Clivey just had this big grin. My grandfather had this big grin. And he just said, love. You know, he just said love. Like, he looks like love. And it was such an amazing moment to be a part of. And I was so, like, empowered by it because here we are, you know, crying, sad, and he's sharing with us, don't worry, my child, you know, there's something beyond. There's someone that will take you beyond. You're going to be looked after, comforted. And it was just, like, it was amazing. Yeah, and that story, I mean, it really does bring tears to my eyes because the way you tell it, I can just, it's almost as if I'm there observing it. And if you were going to ask me, what do you call Jesus? It would absolutely, the answer would be love, love and justice. Yeah. And that your grandfather and all of you were experiencing that. Yes. Oh, so beautiful. Exactly. Well, um, I'm curious, have your spiritual or religious beliefs ever influenced the way you think or feel about money or about abundance? Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't have a relationship with your faith, with your spirituality and your ability to acquire resources and, you know, obviously expand your influence in doing so, then it's going to be much more difficult. So, you know, we're all energy. And I think that energy that I kind of flowed towards money was very scarcity, lack, hold it down. And, you know, I can't buy that. I've got to be cheap. And, you know, in terms of what it is now, I did an abundance meditation yesterday with someone. And then like half an hour after the meditation, I got a phone call about a job. And I'm imagining that your early years when you were a teenager and wandering in the middle of the night and ended up at your grandparents where, you know, you were welcome with such love and had this amazing journey with them, you know, all the way to the end of your grandfather's life. I can just sense that that could have gone two directions and one direction could have been bitterness and scarcity. Yep. And you're able to instead go the other direction, which is towards abundance and self-investment and curiosity. Yep. A hundred percent. You share a lot in your book, Decide Your Destiny, about your upbringing and how you've been inspired to follow your passions. Can you tell us how spirituality has helped your vision of your entrepreneurial destiny evolve and where you're headed now? I think it's everything. I think the spiritual connection, the spiritual play at what you're creating. My grandmother had a great saying. She said, a relationship should be two columns. You know, think of two ancient columns in Greece or Rome, you know, standing on their own side by side but they're not bent over leaning on each other. So for my entrepreneurial journey, I've had to focus that, okay, I can't just have this you know, emotional side down pat. I need to have every area as a strong foundation on its own. However, in saying that, spirituality is the base structure because there comes a point where you ask, why am I doing this for? You know, I've just banged my head against the wall all day long, or I tried with this thing, or I'm trying to get this thing done or complete this project. And any entrepreneur will feel that where they're kind of, digging their heels in, but they can't see any movement forward. And they'll ask that question, why am I doing this for? You know, what's the point? What's the result? What's the reason? 
And you need to have a big reason. You need to have a big reason to keep showing up. What would you say is that reason for you? I think for me that one of the biggest things was that my grandparents really, really believed in me and they had faith in me and and they believed in my potential. So for the first 14 years, I got the opposite messaging. I got the, you know, worthless, nothing. And then for the next 15 years, I got the positive. We believe in you. We believe you're a good person. And so I got two sides of the coin. And I think we can have those two sides of the coin every single day. I'm either worthless, nothing. Who do I think I am? You know, they're right. All the naysayers, all the haters, all the people that are just wanting me to sit in my cubicle and file back in line. What do I think I'm doing? So for me, my grandparents were huge reasons. And then it's a spiritual obligation because like you said, I could have gone one of two ways. It very easily could have ended up in a disastrous destiny rather than what I'm doing right now. And I've got a long way to go, but I'm in an amazing position to where I was at that age. And so not everyone has that opportunity. Sometimes in life, people that are supposed to show up for us don't show up. And we can react in a myriad of ways. We can react as a victim. And I definitely had that victim mentality. I had that disastrous way of thinking, you know, or we can kick up a storm and rebel or, you know, if this isn't going right for me, then life's against me in all these other ways, you know, so we can really react in a poor way. But just because the people that were supposed to show up for us in our lives didn't show up for us in our lives doesn't mean that there aren't people out there who will show up for us in our lives. I think that's such an important differentiator. Kyle spoke about the power of words in his life, especially as a young person. We all have experiences where we can remember a word spoken in love or hate that impacted us deeply. Spiritual traditions also know the power of words. A Bible verse can likewise be quoted in love or in hate, with powerful effects on us and in our culture. In Genesis 1, God speaks to create all that comes into existence. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Gospel of John playfully uses similar language, but quickly turns the attention to the vocabulary of word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Greek term that the Gospel uses is Logos, and the Gospel of John quickly identifies the Word with Jesus Himself, not with the Bible, as many people commonly assume. In the ancient world, the primary ways for people to share powerful words were by writing them down or through oral stories. The biblical writers knew the power of words, and in an economy where paper was expensive, they chose them carefully. While today we don't have to be quite as choosy as our ancestors, we have a lot of paper and recording devices, our words still have tremendous impact. Perhaps when you create words, copy, emails to your clients, your own podcast, you are participating in a process of divine creation. You literally speak your business into creation. As an entrepreneur, you have the power to choose words that uplift, delight, and challenge versus those that destroy, entangle, or mutilate. Your words as an entrepreneur have power. So in your photography, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how your photography and your spirituality inform one another. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So my uncle is actually one of Australia's, I think is Australia's top-rated photographer. 
So I was able to go study there, learn the ropes with him. So I was able to learn a lot just being a lackey around him and just seeing how he interacted. And then it came up to the point where, okay, now I've got to create a portfolio. And what I decided to focus on was photographs of my family in the house I grew up. But I had this thought that, okay, if you sit down with someone, you talk to them for long enough and you start taking photographs, over time, their guard starts dropping, their veil of pretense comes down and bit by bit, they start opening up. And there's a moment, there's a flicker of a second where you can capture their soul, you can capture their essence, you can capture who they are. And I found with my grandparents and my youngest cousins, they opened up really quickly. I was able to capture their essence, their soul. But with teenagers, they put up so many veils, so many pretense, so much, so much guard to protect themselves because they weren't sure about themselves. So in your photography, you are literally capturing the soul essence of someone as their, maybe as their soul and their body kind of come together? Yes, yes. So my grandfather's passing away and the family asked, where's that photograph of Clivey once he passed away? And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we need that photograph for his funeral. I said, well, can't you use another photograph? And they said, no, no, that's him. Like, that's who he is. That's his essence. When we see that photograph, it feels like he's here with us. And so that was the kind of confirmation of, of what I was seeing. You know, I couldn't communicate it, but other people could actually see it and feel it. And I felt like if you get to that moment, there's a split second or there's a moment where we kind of, we show our souls. You know, you like, you see those beautiful beings that show up as who they are and you can look in their eyes and you can see them as who they are. Oh, that's great. What would you say your biggest challenge has been as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I'd say like in general limiting beliefs, but probably biggest challenge has been thinking I know enough where it's an endless bucket, you know, like it's an endless thing. And one of the things that happens is we start learning and we start getting good and right next to good, in between good and great is this kind of comfortable couch you know, <laughs> the, the size of a golf. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. And so for me, probably thinking that I know enough has been my biggest challenge because then that stops you from going out and getting more information that can help you. Were you able to resolve that? And if so, was your spirituality impactful for you? Yes. So I, I definitely was able to resolve that through doing something every single day that was for my personal growth, my health, my knowledge, my spiritual growth every single day. And I think probably the biggest thing that allowed me to see that was, so I had a whole bunch of health conditions when I was 18 and I nearly died at the age of 18. And I was put into an induced coma and my family were told that I wasn't going to make it through the night. So I had that whole experience and I was trying to work out how it happened. So it wasn't something that they can kind of explain it. And they said, look, it was just a one in a billion chance. And then, you know, people started saying, well, it's the relationship, you know, like toxic relationship in your early years, um, parental, you know, so, um, you know, that kind of would have made it happen. And then that really bugged me because I went, well, I had to have my defenses up. You know, I thought I was strong enough. I thought I was blocking that sort of emotion out. And then what disturbed me the most was the thought that I created it. And that was one of my biggest growing points was the realization that, wow, I had this happen to me and what I did was I pushed all of this emotion of years of trauma down and the whole thing of boys aren't meant to cry or men aren't meant to cry, that sort of belief that was just kind of internal in me, just compressed everything in me, which was just so stupid because it just created a sickness within me. You know, we are like emotion is energy in motion. So I 
I clammed down all this trauma energy. I never allowed a valve for it to kind of squeeze through. And then I developed a sickness, a, a dis-ease, a dis-ease. And I truly believe that I created it. And that confirmation later on in my life, it was very hard to face, but it really did allow me to expand my spiritual responsibility, what I'm in control of in my life. Oh gosh, that's a big, that's a big story, <laughs> right? That's a big story to be, especially at such a young age. And I mean, I can see that's probably unfolding still. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine that would unfold over the course of a lifetime, but what a big, like what a big realization. And so do you feel like that was a self-limiting belief that you had then? It, this, I mean, the self-limiting belief could be as simple as, right, like boys don't cry yeah. or boys don't need to show their emotions. Yeah, definitely. And it's not that people weren't around me, you know, so now I was in a beautiful home with, with these two angels, but I wasn't allowing these angels in, you know, I just, I was blocking everyone out. I think because when you hurt so much, you just think, okay, that's what I've got to do. So I had the trauma and then I had my close grandfather pass away in South Africa. Um, you know, and then I had my cousin who was like an older brother to me back in South Africa murdered and it was all in that space of like two years. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very intense. And so my only way of managing it, I felt, was, okay, let me just push it all down. And then that was definitely a limiting belief. Kyle speaks powerfully of his early years and how emotions got locked into him. Recent work in neuroscience has confirmed what spiritual traditions have known for millennia. The body indeed remembers our emotional life, even our emotional life when we were pre-verbal. When we don't address our emotions and discover our own emotional intelligence, these old wounds can get locked inside of us and contribute to physical disease. They can also show up as limiting beliefs. I speak here with some authority and personal experience. For instance, is that old pain in my hip related to being told I'll never stand on my own? And in turn, does that show up as a limiting belief that I'm dependent on someone else in my entrepreneurship? Integrated spirituality offers practices like meditation, spiritual direction, contemplative prayer, and movement-based practices that help us develop our emotional intelligence and keep these emotions from turning into toxic symptoms, including limiting beliefs. Kyle spoke so openly about his experience, and I asked him how it affects his entrepreneurship now. So in terms of my business, I think the fact that I can be bold and I can be authentic and I can become a great storyteller is something that has served me. And I've only seen that through people talking to me and going, no, you're, you know, it's your story, you're a storyteller, you're a great storyteller. And so I think coming to terms with that and having some context, I think people are inspired, people are interested when you've overcome something incredible in your life and you've overcome something huge or you've done something incredible. And so for me, realizing that all those challenges were actually like an asset. They were a positive thing that I could use and bring forth in my business. And in terms of how it helped me in my entrepreneurial is that I started opening up. And then people gravitated towards what I was doing in my story and more interested and more engaged. And that has just allowed me to develop stronger relationships with people who want to see me go far, who are invested in my story. And I'm invested in their story. And I think that's probably the biggest part of turning that negativity or those challenges into positive was finding a great way of articulating it and connecting it to my business and why I take photographs that capture the heart and soul. That's all beautiful. Thank you. 
How would you describe being in alignment? Oh, I love that question. So I'd say it's when your heart, your soul, and your spiritual mission in communication with each other. And with every word, with every thought, with every decision, you're moving with integrity. And being in alignment is getting those things connected. Okay, so if I'm going over here and I'm saying I want to help as many people as I can, and then I'm online typing some hateful messages at someone's Facebook post, you know, it's obviously wildly out of alignment. So for me, it's so important to realize that every day is a fresh start and you have to correct yourself back into alignment. Ooh, how do you do that? Yeah, so, well, for me, I get up, the first thing I do is exercise. I get my body moving because, and I do it for my mind more than anything, you know, to feel, to feel strong, to feel grounded, and as much as you can, you know, connecting with people, connecting with humans. Because over time, you start realizing you spend so much time on the devices, getting some work done, and then your morale, your everything like starts going down. It's like, wow, I haven't really connected with, with, with someone today. So I would call my grandmother. I would go in and see people and just connect with people and find moments where I can connect with people. You know, and I've got different sort of practices that I do, you know, like writing my goals down, writing my visions down, um, you know, saying affirmations, doing meditations, those sorts of things. But really getting clear on my story every day, I think is the biggest thing. Going, okay, I'm writing the story every single day. You know, and I've written all those pages yesterday. What pages am I going to write today? And how do you know when you're out of alignment? Well, I think it was Steve Jobs or someone said this, like, you can only know where you're going by connecting the dots, looking backwards, you know, which is an interesting thing, but kind of looking back into where you've set your sails or where you've set your navigation. And so going, okay, going back to those goals, to those visions, to the plan. And sometimes it's challenging because you come back to things and you're not in the same mood, you know, you're not in the same energy, not in the same inspirational, creative space. You're going, what was I thinking? What was I writing? All this sort of stuff. But I think it's about going back to that and back to like what we spoke about earlier, core reasons. You know, why am I doing this? You know, who am I doing this for? I'm grateful I'm here. There must be a reason I'm here. All right, what am I doing while I'm here? Oh. Gosh. <laughs> well, I've heard you talk about the lack of spiritual awareness and connection that so many people face today. And I agree, we all have to do our part as individuals and try and bridge that gap. What do you think is your personal role in doing that? And is that reflected in your business? Yeah, I'd say making it fun, making it attractive. I think it's an obligation. I think it's definitely an obligation to whatever we create. We look back at the next generation and go, okay, this is how I did it. This is how I got from A to B. Um, this is also how you can get from A to B, or you might want to go A, B, C. And I think you should always want, and it's a selfless thing, you should always want the next, whoever comes after you next, to do more and do better and do greater than you did. So I think that's what I'm trying to definitely work on, is how do you engage people? Because I can be up on my podium and say, you know, rah, 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 these are my values, these are my principles, this is my belief. Let me build it and they will come. But you need to be able to not just build it, you need to be able to market it, advertise it, you know, engage people with it. And I think that's really important, making it fun, making it interesting, making it spark something in someone, make it spark at least curiosity. I love that you bring the fun element into it because that's something that we can just totally forget as entrepreneurs with details and bills and schedules. And yep. even the idea of making marketing fun, because the, the M word is so scary to a lot of entrepreneurs. 
making it fun not only for you, but for the recipient. Yeah, I heard a great definition of it today from a marketing consultant. And she said, all marketing is, is connecting people to your message. So if you look at it that way, it's like, wow, that could be fun. That could be shocking. That could be surprising. And I think one of the big things that opened me up to that was when I looked at everything in the world, I went, wow, everything is a business. Yeah. And my example of this, especially for entrepreneurs who are feeling troubled about marketing or about putting themselves out there, and I've had people tell me, I just want to be like a nun or a monk and I want to be contemplative. And I look at them with some shock and I say, you know, those men and women work their asses off. They don't just sit and pray. They're making stuff. They, They are entrepreneurs. They're doing stuff all day long. So they really do go hand in hand. I completely agree. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, shock reality. There's no free ride. Right. You know, even if you make millions and like, I know someone personally in my life who has an incredible amount of resources to be able to uh, retire. And he spent three days retiring and he was kind of mentioning that he was messaging his coworkers and buddies and all sorts of stuff. But then on the third day, he felt all this anxiety and depression and just like he wasn't feeling good at all. And he had to go out and do something. He had to go out and create something. And It was beautiful because he was given, obviously, a blank canvas. He could go and do something. And so on one aspect, you can't go and sit on a mountain and just laze about and be a part of a monastery and think that everyone's going to be okay with you being there. (laughs) You know, you've got to pick your load up in life. It requires you to get involved. We need you to be engaged. We need you to actually interact with life to make this place better. And that's where I've had to maybe bite my lip a bit with my low tolerance of whinging and moaning because it doesn't do anything. Talking about bad stuff doesn't change bad stuff. Can we become part of the good stuff? (laughs) I think that leads perfectly into the final question, which is before we wrap up, Kyle, do you have any advice you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, yes, definitely. I think one important thing to really reflect on is it's me against me. You know, this is my game. Like I've got to conquer myself first get a handle on myself, become a responsible, contributing part of humanity before I can kind of go out there and really contribute in the ways I want to contribute. And I think we live in a world where there is a bit more transparency in terms of you can see a lot more online, but what are we doing in our own lives to build ourselves up, to be able to contribute to the good? And I definitely say we're at a point in humanity where It's in the balance, you know, and the next stage of humanity is being written right now. And you can be a part of that stage of humanity and you can be a part of it for the good and the bad. And there is no middle, you know. So if you're not doing anything to contribute to the light, then you're a part of the dark. And I'm not saying you have to go out and feed the homeless tomorrow and do different sort of things straight away. All I'm saying is that you have to slowly Start gearing yourself towards the light if you want to see more of a future that has light in it. Thank you. Uh, This is all so terrific. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, Kyle, what is the best way for people to find you? Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Really appreciate um, being on and loved your questions. (laughs) They really evoked a lot in there. So yeah, they're really good. I mean, if I can add one more thing, (laughs) ask yourself great questions every day they evoke so much and they are a part of what extracts, extrapolates your soul, your spiritual being, your potential, your ability out of you are those great questions. So where people can find me is 
So I post a lot on YouTube, which is Carl Spirides. The website where you can find out more information is decideyourdestinybook.com. And yeah, I'm on Instagram and TikTok and all those fun channels. Awesome. We'll, we'll make sure all of those are in the show notes too. Thanks, Katie. So Kyle, go ahead and spell your last name so everyone can find you very easily in all those channels. Yeah, for sure. It's a little, it's a little tricky. So it's S-P-Y-R-I-D-E-S. So it's, it's like spy rides, spy and then rides, you know, going on rides at the showgrounds. So Kyle, you can say spy rides, spirities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which includes shows like Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you liked the show, please give us a starred review. It is the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.